Churches are closing at an increased rapid rate across the United States, researchers say. Congregations today are dwindling across the country as younger generations of Americans abandon Christianity altogether. A 2020 survey found that the average congregation is down to 65 from 137. As the U.S. adjusts to an increasing non-religious population, thousands of churches are closing every year in this country, a figure that experts believe may have been accelerated by the COVID-19 pandemic. About 4,500 Protestant denominational churches closed in 2019 alone, and that is the last year that there is recorded documented data. I can't imagine how many closed through 2020, 21, and 22. If 4,500 closed in 2019, in the last three years, all signs are pointing to a continued pace, an exponential pace of closures, probably similar to 2019, possibly exceeding 2019. A study by Pew Research found that the number of Americans who identify as Christian in 2020 was 64%, with 30% of the U.S. population being classified as religiously unaffiliated. That's in contrast to a study done in 1972 where 92% of Americans said they were Christian. We are fast approaching a complete secularization of our society. Well, grandparents might have been regular churchgoers. Their children would say they believe in God but don't go to church regularly. And by the time millennials have come around, they had very little to no religious experience or relationship with the church at all. Those of you that have lived through that, you know exactly what I'm saying. You have watched it where grandma and grandpa would never miss They were at every single service. They were dedicated to God and to his house. There was a consistency of spirituality in their life that was present and evident. But there wasn't in the children that began to grow up, there wasn't a a, a, uh, same level of fervency. They would say, oh, well, I'm a Christian and yeah, I love God and I go to church on Christmas and Easter and whenever I can make it and, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day. I mean, they're really dedicated Christian. They go on the 4th of July or, any, I mean, they just, they, they, they're really going, they, they, they go above and beyond to occasionally, maybe they hit once a month, but they're religious but not really faithful. Well, the end result, beloved, is what we have today where young people are growing up and they say they have no connection to the church at all. I want to preach to you tonight on the substance of a strong church. The substance of a strong church. In Hebrews chapter 10, some very familiar verses, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider 
one another, to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. At the conclusion of one of our services last week, on the back row, I sat down there and was discussing with one of the members. Nope, it was standing in the foyer. Sorry, the back row was this morning. I was sitting there this morning talking to this member. It was in the foyer, talking to one of the members. And they were discussing with me, they were talking to me about how thrilled they are about what God's doing at Hunt Valley Baptist Church. How excited they are about being able to be part of the revival services and and just seeing God's hand and feeling God's presence in the services and how awesome that is and what a privilege and a joy it is. And they said, I don't understand. I I, I, I feel bad for so many people that gather in churches where there is no Spirit of God, where there is no moving or working of the Spirit of God. looked at me and said that there was without any doubt, no question that it was God's hand that directed them to this church. They saw God do that. Let me say that it's abundantly clear, according to the scriptures here, that God considers the church to be a called out assembly, a group of people that gather together, they assemble together. He says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Now, I'm just throwing this out because you guys have heard the news. (laughs) You know what's coming. And we're going to use wisdom and we're going to exercise some discernment. But I want you to know we're not shutting down. We're going to continue to hold services. Let me say, if you're sick or not feeling well, that's what the live stream is for. That's what the streaming is for. You stay home. Keep, keep that to yourself. We don't want to spread it around. We don't want to be in the news as a hot spot for the, for the spread and proliferation of COVID. We don't need to try and poke the bear or cause any problems, but I want you to know we believe that God has called us to assemble. And we're going to continue to assemble. It is not new that man wants to have his own form of worship. That's been around It's always since Cain and Abel. Man's wanted to have and find their own form of worship. But I think it is relatively new that the church church has bought into the idea that uh, it's okay. I mean, as long as you send your tithe in, you can stay home and stream the service. That's not right. Listen, the streaming was never meant to take the place of being in God's house of gathering together. It is not the same. Not at all. I was talking to Marco after church today and we were talking about sports and he's, he's very active and very athletic and we were discussing sports and, and you know, just going and seeing a game or the difference of watching a game. And it's, it's different when you're there than when you're just watching it. And the same is true when you're sitting at home in your pajamas with your Mountain Dew (laughs) watching the service or you're in God's house. You know what? Even even here, there are some who serve in security and they have to sit out in the foyer. Those of you guys that sit out in the foyer, you, you tell me it's different sitting out there, isn't it? 
It's pretty hard for God to get a hold of your heart when you're sitting out there in the foyer. And I thank those guys that are willing to function and, and fulfill that level just to, to provide security for the church. And, you know, we're just trying to be wise and cautious. And hopefully they're never needed. It's one of those things you never want to have to use. But we want to be prepared. That's what security's for. But it's not the same. Those poor ladies that work in the nursery, they've got the screen in there. I mean, why isn't the fire of heaven falling in the nursery? <laughs> because there's a lot of other stuff falling in there, that's why. <laughs> and they got to take care of that, amen. They, they're distracted. It's, it's not the same as being in the house of God in the, in the auditorium where you're focused and your mind is, is dedicated and the spirit is working. Listen, if it was up to me, I would have every single member or every single person that calls Hunt Valley Baptist Church their home, I would have them here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Thursday night every single week. But it's not up to me. It's up to you. As a church member, as an attender, you have to make that decision. That said, I want to point out that just because you have a crowd, it does not mean you have a strong church. Just because you have a group of people that have gathered together doesn't mean you have a strong church. And beloved, I am desirous and I believe that you're desirous that we as God's people would have a church that was strong. Paul, often addressing his letter to the churches, would proceed to deal with the problems, the things that were not right, the weaknesses that were in the church. The whole of First and Second Corinthians is dealing with the carnality that was in the church at Corinth. Just because we have people doesn't mean you have a strong church. Just because you have a number of programs that are in motion doesn't mean that you have a strong church. You can have all of the organization in the world and still have a weak church. Just because you have a place to meet, a building to gather in, doesn't mean you have a strong church. Christ spoke to John in a vision in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2 and verse number 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Christ, in his letter to the churches there, dealing with them in the struggles or the weaknesses that were in the churches, he says in verse 16 and 17, 15 through 17 of chapter 3, he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot or cold, I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I would spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Beloved, I don't want to ever reach the place where we've just got a crowd and we've left Christ out. I don't want it to just to be about a, a gathering or assembling of people. I want it to be about a honoring and glorifying of God. A place where we gather together for the souls of men and men that are lost and on their way to hell are, are drawn by the Spirit of God to see their need of a Savior. And they come and confess their sin and put their faith and trust in Christ. 
a place that is a soul-saving station, a place that is a, is a hospital for those that have been hurt and need to be healed, a place that is a place of strengthening for those that have found themselves too weak to fight the battle of sin and the flesh and the devil, and they need strengthening to go out and face this wicked world that we live in. This church would strengthen God's people, and we could go forth as a mighty army for God's glory. A church that's more worried about their programs than they are about their biblical principle is a church that will soon cease to exist. We need to have right principles. And as a church, we need to stand on those. Jacob and I were talking in the, uh, and, and Lee and Rihanna, there's a couple that Doug was there. We were, we were just chatting about the church and, uh, Jacob was expressing the idea that, uh, you know, we, it is our heart to not purposely offend anybody. We certainly would do all we can to uh, adjust and strive to meet people where they are and, and to not, you know, we don't want to just trample over somebody just because, and this is the way we do it, like it or lump it, you know. I mean, we, we want to try and meet people, and especially in matters of, of opinion or preference. If we can adjust, we will. <laughs> but on principle, we can't. Because this is this is not up to us. It's God's church. And we're accountable to Him. So there is a level that we cannot adjust. So I want to give you some principles. What are the substances of a strong church? First of all, this evening... The principle that it needs to be present for a church to be strong is synergy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 27, the Bible says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. You know, a few years ago, Pastor Gus, he, he's a lot smarter than I. He, he knows all them big words. <laughs> he... Uh, preached a message, and I'll never forget it. He preached a message on synergy. And that has continually over the years just come up in my heart and mind, and here's the first time I get to steal his, his word. <laughs> synergy. Synergy is when two or more people work together to accomplish the same purpose. The total effect of their work is far greater than had they been working independently. They like to use the example of a horse because a horse by itself can pull two tons of material. And they say, well, the obvious deduction is if you put two horses together, the two horses together can pull four tons. But that's not actually true. The two horses together can pull 18 tons. That's synergy. It's like when you have a log and you stick it in the fire. You got, we burn wood for heat, so we deal with this all the time. But, um, you know, one log by itself will not burn. Just one log there. It just, it's by itself. 
it's going to smolder for a while, and ultimately it'll go out. In, in the morning, you'll come back, and you'll find one log sitting there, and it might have had a coal bed down there or whatever, but it's going to be all burnt and black on the bottom, and the log will still be sitting there. But you put two logs in there, and they feed off of each other, and they're both consumed. You know, it's not God's plan for any church member to be out there burning by himself. We, for a church to be strong, we need synergy. We need a group of people that have purpose to gather together for the glory of God, that understand and realize that they are all part of the body. The church is a body. We are a church with many members but no member is to be out there all alone trying to burn by himself. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 <laughs> says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt with every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one member one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesying, let us prophesy according to the proportions of faith or ministering, let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. You see, beloved, there's a description here of the different members of the body. Everybody having their own skills and their own abilities, their own strengths and their own weaknesses, but we're all members of the same body. And God puts together and fitly joins the church. God, by design, brings people to the church that the church needs and that they need the church. God fitly joins the church together to prepare and further perpetuate the, His work here on earth. And so each of us have our different skill sets or abilities, but every member is valuable. Every person's job or responsibility or duty is important. You and I need to learn to appreciate each member. First of all, appreciate what you do. Regardless of how small or menial you may think the task is, you may say, well, it's such a small task, it's really not that important. Pretty much anybody could do what I do, but it's a job that you have for the honor and glory of God to further His cause here at Hunt Valley Baptist Church, and I want you to know that it's important. Whatever job it is, appreciate it. And then each and every one of us need to learn to appreciate, and listen, this is this really is an area that, you know what, brother, your dad is a, I'm talking to the star here, his dad is an example to me. He really knows how to make sure and express appreciation and gratitude, and I've seen him do it in, in just over and over again, making sure he, he thanks people. And I'm a little bit more like, well, you ought to do it, it's your job. <laughs> I mean, that's where you're supposed to be. 
I, I don't know, I, but I need to be more like Brother Starr and less like me, amen? Because <laughs> we need to appreciate one another, appreciate what other people are doing in the church and the service that they're providing for God and serving and working in a nursery or serving as an usher or working in the sound ministry or walking somebody to the car with an umbrella in the rainstorm, amen? I mean, we just need to appreciate one another and each person's task because the church doesn't move forward or accomplish what it needs to accomplish unless there's a number of people fulfilling each and every responsibility. Those of you that have been involved in any level of ministry, you know that behind the scenes, there's a whole lot more that happens than just a few minutes up in front of some people. There's a whole lot more work and effort and energy invested by a lot more people that maybe their name is never called, they're, they're, they're never uh, patted on the back or recognized from the pulpit, but ultimately God sees their work and knows what they accomplish and a church that's going to be strong is going to have a whole bunch of people that realize what they do is seen by God, appreciated by God, and valuable to be done for the work of the Lord. We've got to learn to appreciate everybody's gifts. Some different, some great, some small, some strong, some weak. Whatever the gift or ability that you have, use it for God. I appreciate those that come and play their instruments here on a Sunday night. I was talking to Brandon this week. We're out behind the church. You ought to stick your head out the window here or this back door. We, uh, we used Brother Taylor's tractor while we had it and, and graded down this back hill down here and put in uh, two truckloads of mulch to cover the back of the hill. It looks really beautiful out there, and we're out there raking, and, and uh, uh, Matt had the easy job in the tractor. He's sitting in the air-conditioned cab, you know, riding around, you know. <laughs> Brandon and I are working, just letting you know how it goes, okay? So we're out there working, and uh, we're talking, and I said, man, Brandon, I said, one day I would love to have an orchestra playing. We've got enough people in the church that have the abilities and, and people that come and use their instruments. Let's, let's, let's put it all together. I said, I got visions, and I got dreams down the road, what could be accomplished and what we could do. I know it's going to take a lot of work, and people need to bring their instruments and get prepared and all of that effort. But, boy, it would be exciting and fun to see God do that. We're just chatting as we're raking mulch. Amen. Use your talent for God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 and 22, he says, But now are there many members, yet but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet that I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. They're necessary. It's important that every Member, realize they're necessary. Your job's important. You need to accomplish your ministry. You need to do your part. Can you be counted on? A church that's strong, that's experiencing synergy, has people that can be counted on. They're going to fulfill their job. They're going to be in their place. They're going to do the task that's been assigned to them. Every week, every month, just accomplishing your ministry, doing your part. Each of us need to support and help the rest. Beloved, I'm talking tonight about what makes a strong church. We need each and every member, but we also need to support one another. 
Beloved, the church is a living organism, not just an organization. That's the difference. The church is not just an organization. It's not just a 501c3. The church is a living organism designed by God. You know, you can have a body. Yesterday we went to the funeral for Brother Walter Vance. They had a casket there. Brother Walter's body laid in that casket. You know, his body was formed just like mine. But there was no life there. There was no life there. What I'm saying is all over America, we have organizations that look like churches, that are formed like the body, but there's no life there. There's no life. That's what makes the difference. It is a living organism. A living organism that functions through synergy. By God's plan and design, the church gathers together and performs and fulfills the work that reaches the world with the gospel. As a whole, we are stronger and we advance together. Oh, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, a familiar verse here for much of the church family. You're going to recognize it, young people. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Amen? That's 15, verse number 14, is that we be no more, I'm going from memory, because this is a verse we memorized a couple years ago, that we be no more children tossed to and fro and cast about by every wind of doctrine. But what I want you to see is verse number 16. Look what he says there in verse number 16. He says, from which the whole body fitly joined together. You've heard me talk about that, how I believe God fitly joins, puts the church together. And compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. You see, every part fulfilling and accomplishing that purpose for which they were placed there. What does it say there? Maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The effectual working of every part together, fitly joined and working to accomplish the past. Do you, do you see the synergy there? Do you see the synergy by God's plan? Let me uh, use a couple of these young people here. Uh, Josh and Caleb and Stephen, uh, Andrew and Brad. Why all four of you guys come up here. The mills aren't here tonight. I really needed. Why don't you guys just line up right down here? <laughs> um, Brad, I want you on that end. Andrew, I want you on that end. Um, I was really hoping to put a little kid here in the middle. <laughs> um, Melissa, you're you're going to be our little kid. <laughs> All righty. So let's. Uh, so it's not uncomfortable. Why don't you move over here, and uh, you're going to stand right here in the middle of these two guys. And what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to, to lock hands, and I want you to just separate out. Yeah, wipe, wipe the sweaty hands off. Okay, yeah, just hold hands, spread out. Have you guys ever heard the saying that um, 
a chain is only as strong as its weakest link? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I want you guys on the ends to pull apart until we lose somebody, okay? <laughs> until we lose somebody in, in the chain. Okay, now here, here's the principle for the church. Here's the weak link, right? <laughs> but what I need, uh, Pastor Gus, would you come up and help? You're going you're gonna to stand back here. And uh, we're, we're going to uh, we're gonna bridge this for her. Because she's the weak link right now. And so you guys are going to pull, and we're going to lock, lock in, and we are supporting her, right? Because right now she's the weak link, and they're pulling, but she's the one that needs help. That's what the church does. Yes, sometimes there are members, thank you guys, can, actually, why don't you stand here just a minute? We're just going <laughs> to use you. Pastor Gus, you can be seated. Um, you see, sometimes there are people in the church that are weak, and we look at it as a church and we say, man, we want to be a strong church. And you say, well, the church is only as strong as its weakest link, so what are we going to do? We go and we support that link until they're strong. But what happens to a church, it gets to the place where you have, I, don't, I wish I had some more kids in here and I could better, better illustrate this. But actually, Pastor Gus, why don't you come back up here? We're, we're going to say Josh is a weak link, and Stephen is a weak link, and Caleb is a weak link. What, what I'm talking about is we've got Caleb who's lost and doesn't know he's on his way to heaven. He's never been born again. He, he is, he's not even saved. He's been coming to the church. He's part of the church. He loves being here, but he doesn't even know the Lord. Stephen is addicted to drugs, and uh, he, he cannot... He cannot keep anything straight. He can't even keep a job. I mean, he is such a bum and cannot hardly function, but he's been coming to church and he's been enjoying himself a lot. And, and, and Josh, he has a broken home and uh, all of his effort is given towards just trying to keep his family together. He can't hardly do anything else. And, and it's just things are really, really bad right now, but he enjoys the church and, and he likes being here. But here, here's what happens. Now we've got four, five, six, and in a church, maybe 20, 30, or 40 weak links. And yeah, you may have some strong people. But here, grab, grab Andrew down there. We, we, can't, we can't bridge that. We don't have enough. We've got to be careful, and that's one of the reasons why it's important as a church and why we are careful with who gets to come and join the church. They've got to be saved, baptized, know that they're in agreement with the doctrine of the church because we've got to keep the church strong. You guys can be seated. We've got to be careful that we don't just get a whole bunch of people here. Oh, man, we've got a big crowd, and it's so exciting. But they don't know what they believe. They don't know what the Bible is. They don't know how to have a walk with God. They don't know how to be a witness. 
And listen, we can as a church, this is what the discipleship program is doing and I'm excited about it because that is building a foundation and that's giving us strength as a church that we've got people that are solid and they know what the Bible teaches and they know what they believe according to the word of God and they can defend their faith out in this world and that gives us a solid foundation so that as others come here that maybe they're struggling, maybe they're weak, but we've got a whole bunch of people that can stand back here and make up the line and build the hedge for them and be the strength for them while they're coming along and growing and learning what it is to be right. But if, we're, aren't, if we aren't careful, we'll have a whole bunch of people here and the church will be weak. We've got to keep it right, keep people present that know what they believe. Otherwise, you'll have all the trappings of a church and you don't even know it, but you're dying the power and the strength and the ability of the church is gone. Beloved, just as a weak knee or any joint that is beginning to fail you, it hinders the whole body. Some of you older folks that have gone through a knee replacement or maybe you're putting it off and you know you need to someday, but you're saying, man, uh, it's hard to do steps. I know my mom, she couldn't hardly do steps there anymore at the end. It just was too hard for her to go up and down. And she lived in a two-story house, just brutal. She had the surgery and she's like, I don't know why I didn't do that years ago. That knee affected me so much, so bad. But that's what happens in the church. You get a, a joint out you get a problem, and it affects the whole church. In the church, beloved, Christ is the head. We're to be following him. You know, we're stronger when we're linked with him. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 says, Come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Our strength and synergy comes when we're yoked up with God. Not only does he tell us what to do, but he empowers us to do it as he does it with us. With Christ, your burden is lighter. With Christ, your back is stronger. With Christ, your problems are smaller. Beloved, what happens is we trade that synergy with Christ for sin. Because the Bible says that your iniquities have separated you between you and your God. We could have the synergy that comes from accomplishing great things with Christ. But too many believers trade that synergy for sin. And they literally choose to separate themselves from the one that's helping them to accomplish what they need to accomplish. So it's a choice that we make. You can choose to live in sin or live in synergy. Charles Brent said, The sequence of events that culminates in the joyous fellowship with the Father is repentance, pardon, and peace. The first, we offer. The second, we accept. And the third, we inherit. The sequence of events that culminates in joyous fellowship with the Father is repentance, pardon, and peace. 
The first we offer, repentance. The second we accept, pardon. And the last we inherit, peace. You see, beloved, when you and I make the choice to walk in sin instead of synergy, we are affecting the whole church. Not just ourselves. Not just our own life or our own situation. What I want is a strong church. I think what you want is a strong church. We don't want to be a church that in a few years, you know, last week with Brother Green, we went out to lunch uh, several times, had the privilege of going with several men in the church that, that were free, and they went to lunch with us. And he was telling me about, I think it might have been Mary might have been there at this time, but he was telling me about a church that uh, he preached at many times. Church ran 2,000 people. On big days, they would have 5,000 plus. Amazing church. And he said the last time that his pastor preached there at that church, there was 18 people in that 2,000-seat auditorium. You see, beloved, just because we have a crowd doesn't mean we have a strong church. We've got to be careful to keep it right. To function in synergy. And I have four other points, but we're not going to preach them tonight. Maybe we'll deal with those another, another week. I want us to have a strong church. A church that brings honor and glory to God first. That reaches the lost, that functions as a church is supposed to, be a lighthouse to the lost world. You know, a church has to be challenging Christians to be living right in order for it to be a lighthouse. Because if the church reflects the world too much, people don't see any difference. There's no light there. There's no light there. And they just look at it and say, that's exactly like us. What's, what's the difference? We've got to be living holy, pure lives. That's what the church is to be challenging us to do.